Uh, all right, podcast. Dude, yeah, I can't say that. Choo choo choo, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. And I'm Turt Reynolds. Dirty uh, <laughs> then. Settle down, Don. <laughs> we need to give a parental advisory for this. Clicking furiously on my mouse. Eat the paella. Question's hot. All right, everybody. Let's get swifty. That was cool. That was fun, guys. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to another action-packed episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that uses cheat codes more than Lance Armstrong trying to beat Rebel Assault 2. (laughs) My name is Ben Helms, and with me, as always, is my rootin', tootin', six-shootin', red-dead, revolvin' big brother and co-host, Jason Helms. How's it hanging, bro? Hanging pretty well. Uh, off my saddle bikes. Yeah. Cowboy reference. Nice. I don't know. Good. It's good, man. A lot of those going on. Um, and do you do you like the intros? It's been what? This is episode thirty-five. I, I love them. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> if I'm if I'm being honest, this isn't your best, but I, I really liked that Lance Armstrong line. Good. That, that good. was solid. It made up for the for the lack of nine lines of intro that I do have sometimes. This is only I'm okay with that though. I mean, it's okay. uh, right. it, it's a shorter game. With, yeah. Uh, right. And, right. This might be a shorter episode based upon the research. Although, uh, we'll get into we've that. played a month of Red Dead, so... It's true. We can talk about Let me hit that microphone. And listen, you can listen to me talk about Red Dead for a long time. Here we go. <laughs> uh, today, we are taking a break from our uh, collective absolutions of vermilion expiration. <laughs> right? You see what yeah, I did there? Yep, yep. And while we aren't venturing too far away from Arthur Morgan and the gang, we're actually playing an old LucasArts game uh, for the first time in six months. First time in six episodes. So, Oops. Even though we've been able to tie, I think, every single game to LucasArts or LucasArts creators and directors and, and, and artists. Uh, yeah, this is the first time we've done a game from the 90s in, in a while, so since, I think, June. Anyway, that's what we planned to do originally in the show. We pivoted a year and a half ago to games that were kind of uh, revolving, hey uh, around yeah. <laughs> uh, the LucasArts world. And uh, this one hits, hits right kind of in the middle of the LucasArts world, back in 1997. Outlaws. Yeah, did you ever play this game before? Uh, you know what? I watched Travis play it. Um, I don't remember playing it myself. Shout out Travis Wood. Yep. Nice. Yep. Always. Uh, I think once per episode. It's our goal. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be. But yeah, this is uh, self-proclaimed, and we weren't able to to refute this, but the first ever country western FPS. Yeah, one of the the few. Um, yeah. Because yeah, true. Kind of the heyday of FPS was right here. Yeah. Yeah. And we could say right now, yeah, that Darren Stinnett. We have we're not getting into the, the development. Maybe we'll, let's save it. You know. Okay, we'll save it for we'll thirty seconds it. from now because we don't have much. Let me give the exactly. I don't want to take half the development in one sentence. All right. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about history, making of development. Dive into that for a good hour, maybe two hours, maybe five minutes. Uh, then we'll talk gameplay for a while. Talk about our trials and tribulations throughout the world of Outlaws. Uh, and talk about why the cheat codes just wouldn't work for me, which is probably good for me, I guess. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, and then we will talk about what's the beer, what's the song, what beer and song most closely represent in our hearts and minds this game to us. Uh, we'll talk about what else we've been playing besides Outlaws this past month, and of course, what we're playing next month. And we might actually have a visit from an old green all-organic friend somewhere Ooh, in there as well. I know, lovely, De- delicious. Anyway, let's get into the development. Jay, you you uh, did the brunt of the research this month. What do you got for us? Well, you know, sometimes research doesn't mean actually reading things about what you're researching. It just means Googling. Mean playing more and, Nintendo Switch? Oh, okay. Yes, it does. Okay. No, no, no. It means lots of Google. I, like, I spent more time researching this game than I usually do, but, oh, I came up so short. Oh, weird. There's just not much out there. The weirdest part is, I, what I think is the most distinctive thing about this game is the animation style. Um, it's got yes, this cool sure. kind of cell animation, uh, almost cell-shaded look to it. Just really, really 
gorgeous work uh, on the sprites. And so at this point in FPSs, almost everything was sprite-based. Uh, it hadn't really shifted to the polygons of Quake. Now, Quake came out just before this, but still, uh, this is the tail end of the sprite work. And this is, I think, the apex of the sprite work. Like, these are yeah. just gorgeous sprites. I absolutely love them. It looks awesome. But that also accounts for uh, kind of what we're going to cover with this. Uh, in fact, you know, spoiler alert uh, right here, not on the game, but just on the reception. Uh, the game was not all that popular. It was not all that well-received. And so I have not been able to find a whole lot about how it was made, why those choices were made for the animation, which I thought was so distinctive and so interesting. Um, and I think a lot of the poor reception, I think, has to do with Quake. Um, Quake is a vastly superior FPS in terms of processing, in terms of you know speed of graphics. It looks slick, uh, explosions, stuff like that. Not necessarily in, front of, in, in terms of story. Uh, and I actually ran into a, uh, re- during this deep dive research, I ran into a review of Outlaws by John Romero, creator of Doom, creator of Quake. Nice, um, yeah. In which he called it one of his favorite games ever. Basically talked about how much better it is than Quake, which is weird. But it's, you can tell it's, it's you know, one, one artist nodding his cap to another and saying, you know, yeah, this is well done. Like it's very distinct. It's a very it's, specific style, which I guess... At the time, 97, I'm thinking back, this is right after N64 came out, PlayStation days, and there were a lot of just really bad games. That, a lot of it was bad because it just, the controls were bad in a lot of games, but like it just went artistically too far. Or maybe mm. not far enough, right? It just didn't look right. Right. Whether that was the lack of work on graphics or overworking the graphics, so they were just like too stylized. And people falling into these, these places where another company had kind of discovered a sweet spot, and so everybody co- you know, copying that particular art style. Totally. Yeah, uh, that worked fairly well. And speaking of which, this comes on the on the feet, right now, fresh off the uh, Oregon Trail of Dark Forces. That's right. Uh, that's also a Darren Stinnett jam. And so this is actually before it was even released for Windows. This came out. So this is like still in the late development stages of Dark Forces, still being released for different platforms. And then this comes out. So a lot of this game is Dark Forces with kind of a Western cover. Yeah. Uh, again, though, I, I keep coming back to those sprites. Now you. Um as being what makes it most distinct from Dark Forces. Yeah. Uh, Dark Forces, which I, I one of my favorite games again. Um, I can't wait to talk about the level design with you on this, because the level design really did remind me of Dark Forces. Yes. Uh, although this went, I think Dark Forces went high and this went wide. Um, literally? Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Dark Forces wanted to show off that it could it, it could put you into very high places, because they figured first. out a way to do that. Right. And this, I think it's almost like they realized that they may have overdone that a bit and tried to play it back. And as they did, they gave you a sense of height again by making these really wide open spaces. And then you get into the River Canyon, where all of a sudden you're going way up as well. And it feels, it feels right. It feels kind of exciting, as opposed yep. to Dark Forces, which after the fourth super tall level, you're kind of getting used to it and saying, like, okay, I get it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, too. And in the 1880s or whenever Outlaws takes place, you're not going to have a lot of five-story buildings. Right. And Dark I thought Forces. you were going to say in the 1880s or whenever uh, Dark Forces was made. Yeah, whenever Dark Forces was made, yeah. That sounds right. Uh, but in, and in Star Wars, you're in, like, Death Stars and things that are, oh, yeah. all they are is hundreds of stories hot tall. So it totally no, makes sense point. for the for the genre, for the for the, the locales, I guess. Well, the other, the main thing that people talked about um, for this game, though, the thing that really held over was the uh, the score by Clint Bajakian. Yeah. Which is Gorgeous, uh, very good. The bad and the ugly, uh, Enrico Marconi um, inspired. Definitely, um, and yeah, this whistling going on in the background, harmonicas. Oh, it's so, so gorgeous. One of the few games that came with its soundtrack on the game CD, so that you could yes. play, put the game into a CD player. 
I love and listen it. to the soundtrack. Yep. That's um, one of those tiny things. Memories like that is the reason we started this podcast. Yeah. Tiny things like that that I hadn't even thought of since then. 20 years. Okay, so so as long as we're on that, I remember Grand Theft Auto worked that way. What? The original the PlayStation GTA. Bit? Oh, the original. Uh-huh. This is like the top down. Yeah. You're in a car. Remember, the PlayStation oh, yeah. 1 was GTA 3. That's right. Yeah. And you used to play the original GTA and you hated Re- GTA 3 when it came out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is not the same game. It's so totally different purist. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the cool thing about it, though, is because it played the tracks off of uh, the CD, once you had the game installed, you could... I figured this out on my own. Okay. You could start the game with the CD in because okay. it's checking the... Uh, to make sure you actually have the CD. Eject the CD once the game starts, because it's running everything off of the computer. Right. And then put in any CD you wanted, and that would be your radio. That's amazing. I think it still had the interstitial stuff. I think the interstitials were waves. So you would hear like a DJ introducing your songs. What? But it would be introducing, you know, whatever song was originally on the thing. And I even remember that there was a limit. I think there were like 12 tracks or something on the original GTA soundtrack. And so if you had a 14-track CD, it would only play the first 12. Weird, dude. just didn't understand how there could be any more than that. That's crazy. Uh, another th- cool thing this game did was it had really good voice actors. A lot of Western, uh, like people, veteran, um, old Western actors who I, I won't even, there's a lot of them that I, I haven't heard a lot of them. John Delancey is the one that I know the face of. He's kind of in the big bad in a lot of different movies. Uh, Dude, one of, them, one of them is Bull from Night Court. Yeah, Richard Mall. Exactly. Yeah. Bull from, the big old Bull from Night Court. Exactly. Oh, yeah. man. He plays Bob Graham. So, I mean, yeah. there are a lot of uh, big actors, which this was kind of. The, this is right in the middle, or I guess maybe towards the end of the heyday of LucasArts. They have their money. All their Star Wars games are taken off. This is right before the prequels, but right when the 20-year uh, anniversaries were all going. I mean, so the Star Wars is kind of coming back into popular culture again, bigger than ever, up until, I guess, when Force Awakens came out. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, they have the money to basically get voice actors that even three, two, three years before that they did not have. So it's kind of cool to see this really good voice acting, really good cutscenes. Matching that level of quality of the score is just other than a few issues with the gameplay, gorgeous game. Yeah, and John Delancey, um, most notably Q from Star Trek and uh, the dad of the B in Apartment Twenty Three from Breaking Bad. Right. Did I get there? Those are the things I'm thinking of. That's exactly what it was. That guy. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I th- you can you can use that knowledge to figure out who I'm talking about. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's all I got. Yeah, use your Google machines and figure it out. Anyway. So so he played uh, Doctor Death. Matt Jackson. Which, which was a great voice. Yes. Off and the rails, you, crazy you scientist. emulated him in your intro. Oh, I did. Yeah, which is nice. I didn't even nice. think about that. Yeah, good call. Now, did you know that he is based on... Okay, this is interesting. Now, I didn't find this, but I'm, I am assuming he is based on a literary character that is quite possibly based on an actual character. I will expand. All right. Okay, and no, I'm just trying to think of who it would be, yeah. The novel Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy has a character named Judge Holden. And he's one of the, like, top bad guys of American lit. Like, he's, he's really, really well-known. And he is based on possibly a historical character, but we only have records of him from one guy who was writing about it at the time. So okay. it's quite possible he was a myth and he didn't exist. But supposedly, this guy uh, was, like, quoting Shakespeare and Milton while just gunning people down. And just a vicious, horrific person who was, like, six foot eight, 350 pounds, this just huge man. Uh, completely bald and just like a terrifying character. So yeah. he's great in the novel and talks like Dr. Death does. So I, I really think that that's what he's, what the creators were not into is Judge Holden, who uh, that novel was about 15 years old at the time, uh, maybe just 10 years yeah. old. Um, yeah. And so it could, work. could well be within their, their wheelhouse. Yeah. Nice. Good call. That's the collective absolutions of Vermilion expiration. Yeah. That's so Judge Holden. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, I think we're good, man. Gameplay? Let's do it. Gameplay! Uh, you beat this game like a month ago. I beat it this week. I I beat it in like two days. Also, yeah. Like I cranked through this. It yeah. was fantastic. This, this was, is... after my kids go to bed. My wife and I sit up and watch TV for a couple hours, and I will, especially if it's you know football that we're watching or something like that, I'll play a video game. Yeah. Um, and so that's I I did that and I cranked through it in two days. Bam. I love it. You had a different experience. Also, all four of the children in my house have been in the hospital, several of them several times. I think this is the third episode in a row that we've mentioned hospital trips, by the way. It's been a rough few months for both of our families. Yeah, as far as and I have been in the hospital, I think, since uh, our last pod, yeah, our last episode. I'm I not you're certain right. yeah, when we recorded know. it. It's been rough. Anyway. And, yeah, I, I've had two ER trips as well. But I, I can't touch your, your fame of having all four kids in the hospital in one week. We went five for five this week, Monday through Friday. It was great. Anyway. My gosh. Oh, we met our deductible a long time ago, at least. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it kind of fit, fit certain random times. I finally got it in this week. But, yeah, for me, loved it immediately. The just yeah. It felt natural, right? Especially going from Red Dead, which is just the craziest, weirdest, most contrived controls ever. Some would call them bad. To this, which is like yeah. classic, get in my old like lazy boy armchair, relax into it, old FPS classic controls, you know, AS or what is it, WASDA? WASDA. The WASDA controls, which are just classic, they feel right. Uh, it was nice to just do that. I Obviously, because it's a game from the 90s, a PC game from the 90s, I had to look at the manual to fe- realize that every single key has a different yeah. like control to it. So yeah. it, there are a lot of random controls, but as far as just like going around shooting people, really easy to figure out. And um, mine didn't add up to the same controls uh, because I was porting it to Mac. And so a couple of them were off as well. Uh, I can't remember which ones, but yeah, it, it was weird. Yeah, it was weird, yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, loved it. There were a few parts that tripped me up. Of just that I, I don't know if there were glitches or I wasn't reading the, my walkthrough correctly or whatever, but like the bad guy that, or the boss wouldn't appear. i say the, the biggest negative I have, which we haven't talked about at all, would be that the bad guys just seemed really anticlimactic. Yes. And I... I want to think about that, and especially think about it compared to, uh, you played it on the good, I'm assuming, the three difficulty levels are the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. All right, so. That's fair, that's fair. I, I kind of want to go back and play this through someday on the ugly. Yeah. Because I've heard that it's, it's a completely different game, uh, and as I was reading about it. I watched a walkthrough a couple, a couple levels on ugly, though. So, so what you may not have felt about that is the biggest shift in the ugly is your life. You can handle one or two hits, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's and true. so imagine that world where now the game has shifted to lots of stealth, right? Lots of sneaking around uh, and knowing that you're like just a second away from dying. That's a very tense one. Getting ready to use your medical bags constantly. Yeah, and you yeah. got these bad guys who can handle only take two or three shots. Yeah, but they will they will kill you immediately. Right. Uh, they're they're one shotters. No med call. bag. That's a good call. Uh, so it's. I, I think that was them striving for realism in, yeah. the, in the sense that you, you will feel like you're going to die. So let's, let's do it now. We were, I think we were going to have a kind of a made-up new segment of like history of country western style games because this was the first western FPS. One of our favorite games of all time. And if I could own, if I could have two arcade machines, I think it would be NBA Jam and Sunset Riders. And, and then NFL Blitz would be the third. It might be. Okay, so we can't have two. If I'm buying one, I'm getting three. Uh, or no. I'm just get, buying one cabinet and get, putting a name uh, emulator in it with those three games. Love. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, Sunset Riders, you and I gave lots of quarters to as kids. Uh-huh. And that was 1991. Yep. Uh, and that was Western. I can't remember the plot of it, but you're mowing down Western dudes with your cool revolvers. But uh, yeah, I obviously have no idea what the plot is. It's, and then, I, I, mm. No. Yeah. Marry me with my, with my money. money. We beat the game, too, on I think on Super NES when it yep. finally came out for that. Uh, uh, dude, I remember us high-fiving so hard. So many high-fives. You must have been like seven or eight. I was probably 10. Uh, no, I must have been seven or eight. You're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. Born in 1985. I remember how excited we were. Yep. Good call. Uh, but then, uh, obviously, 2010 was uh, Red Dead, which is uh, up until a month ago, the biggest Western game of all time. And then Red Dead 2 comes out October uh, this year that destroys a bunch of records and it's kind of the new Grand Theft Auto for, for the West. So we're, we're having these, it's new, fresh in my mind at least, fresh in your mind probably too, of, of the Western games and constantly comparing this, even though Red Dead isn't strictly a first-person shooter at all. It's a totally different game. But I still couldn't help comparing it. Obviously, I already compared the controls. And then another big comparison that I thought of was as soon as I started playing Outlaws, it just throws you into level one after a five-minute cutscene. Yeah. And I'm used to hour eight of Red Dead where you're still getting tutorials of like, if you want to rear up your horse, do this. If you want to yep. point your gun, do this. If you like, there's so endless amounts of of tutorials and cutscenes and and onboarding in Red Dead, and this is just like figure it out, read the manual, I guess. Right? That's that was the go to in 1997. Yep, and and you can see elements of the onboarding kind of starting up with, uh, I think the first level you are not required to use anything except for your guns, uh, maybe a lantern at one point, and the keys, right? Yeah. That's true. Um, and even the keys, I think, might have been optional. Or you didn't have to find all the keys. You only had to find one, I right. think. Like, you didn't necessarily have to track them all down. Right, yeah, right. It was an introduction and, to it, yeah. And the next level, you got to use a shovel. And then the level after that, you got to use a crowbar. And you get this idea that, like, oh, okay, they're slowly building your repertoire. But it, it doesn't all work yet because you really only use a crowbar, like, three times in the game. Yeah. You really only use the shovel, like, twice. Like, it, it's not necessarily building the repertoire in the same way that Red Dead or modern games do with these kind of lengthened tutorials. But you're right, yeah, you just had to have a manual. I remember getting games, renting games that didn't have a manual and just being like, oh, I'm SOL. Um, like this, I'm just going to jam on buttons and die a bunch until yeah. I figure out what this is. Yeah, this is yeah, pre-internet, a lot of those things. Yeah, jeez. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I th- my first complaint going into this game, and it still kind of is, I guess, is that, like, what was the story? Which sounds weird after a five-minute cutscene, but I'm so used to Red Dead where, like, every interaction with every NPC means something specific right. to them. And there's thousands of interactions you can have and millions of lines of dialogue or whatever. But, like, when they throw you into the first level and just you run around and shoot people. In the second yeah. or third level, there's bankers running around that you're not supposed to shoot. But for the most part, you kill everyone you see. And I still am unsure as to why other than just, like, obviously it's a game. It's a first-person shooter. Shoot people. I'll go a little bit into it. Okay. Like, I, I do think there's a little bit of that there. So the, the overall plot, you, what you do know is your, your wife is killed, your daughter is murdered, you're on revenge. By the way, you used to be a U.S. Marshal. Your daughter's uh, kidnapped. Your daughter's kidnapped. I think you said, uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think you said and murder. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're on your way to, to get her. And um, you uh, are a retired U.S. Marshal. You were fired because you killed a man. And evidently the timing was just wrong. He had not yet been tried. Oh, and gosh. so it was, you know, everybody knew he was guilty, but you were the one who got in trouble for it, um, which probably that's a good idea. Also, I just and like to, I mean, this being the old West, they yeah. were a stickler for rules. Yeah. 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 And, and so <laughs> the line is, and, and this is great. He's in town. He's talking to the shopkeep. He's getting the 
Uda Toile, Uda Puri, whatever it is. He's probably getting some beer, magic uh, beer tonic. Probably. Or uh, hair, hair tonic. Now he's getting his wife's favorite perfume, remember? What else? That's true. I'm just thinking of Red Dead, what I get at the general store. Yeah, yeah. And uh, where's that fountain pen? I need to get that for Mary Beth. I don't know where the I, fountain pen is. There were so many things. I never found anything for any of the people. Okay. Uh, I got... I'm sure the internet knows. Okay. So the shopkeep says, you know, uh, I, I know you, Marshall. You never shoot an innocent man. And he looks up and says, shoot an innocent man. I've never met an innocent man. That's a great line. Great line. And it, it covers the rest of the game. It's like, why is he shooting all these people? He's never met an innocent man. Pope, done. They all deserve death now. Yes, even the bankers. Maybe especially the bankers. I only shot is, one banker. Is James Marshall, James Marsden, what is his name? The, the, James Anderson. Oh. Yeah, John Marston is the guy from John the original Marston. Red Dead. James yeah, Anderson, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, James it, Anderson. Is, is he proto-Antifa? Quite possibly. They all scream Marshall at him, though, so I get why you said James Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but other than that, I, and I think it fits into the genre as well too, right? Where like Dark Forces, you're on a Death Star, kill everyone. Like it's pretty yeah. straightforward. They didn't really want to mess with plot within the the gameplay that came in the cutscenes. So there's definitely, I do feel spoiled of modern gameplay uh, a little bit with that. But I don't th- I don't think it was surprising to anyone at the time. Speaking of the them yelling Marshall at you, I thought this was really really strong. Uh, just the audio work of the the random bad guys. Oh, yeah, I played with headphones, and you, you could hear them around uh-huh, you, behind you, uh-huh. left, right. It was so good. And imagine it on that harder difficulty level where it's like you're really trying to figure out where they are. You know you're one shot away from death constantly. Where are you, Marshall? So good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and, then, of course, this had the classic, the brass key, the steel key, <laughs> the iron, the silver, the gold key. <laughs> this is like Maniac Mansion all over again as far as the keys. Yep. I don't know. I, it, it makes sense to me when you go into a hotel – and you have to shoot someone, and they have the key to the hotel or something like that. But like it was like the bank key is over in the saloon, and the yes. the green key for the hotel is over in the stable. And the, it was just kind of which again, it might just be them trying to figure out ways to lock into that like puzzle idea that adventure games have. Yeah, even though it's an FPS, it just felt very out of place and forced and frustrating. Uh, I I want to watch some machinima uh, done through Dark Forces of just like a random stormtrooper trying to get to work, and he has to like jump through the air vent from one oh area gosh. to another, hit the button, time it right, so that he jumps back, and it's like, hey, hey, Lou, how you doing? Ah, doing all right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bro- speaking of broke my sh- leg getting to work last week, so, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's <laughs> repairing. Had to kill three coworkers to get that red key, man. But yeah. uh, You know how it is. Uh, how many, speaking of which, how many hidden places did you find? Secret areas? <sighs> it's been th- so long. I think maybe three. Yeah. Uh, not many. Yeah, uh, most of them were... Oh, I found a really, really cool one in the racist level. Um, the the, the, the va- <laughs> or the fort? Yeah, uh, no, 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 the Native American level. Was um, that the fort? The one where you go? Is it a fort? I thought it was like a. F- I thought I that was the right, fort. It is a fort. He's hiding yeah. in the back of a fort, basically. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you're going through like the river, and you've got to like you got to do the stones, and, like turn the stones just the right way. So you, I had like one extra stone, and I found the place to put it. And you have to like blow up a wall to get there. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what all I unlocked back there, but I, I, I was like, this is really cool. It was like a, a bunch of level. It was not like just a closet I found. I'd say probably 80, 90% of them were just like, yeah, here's a closet. And it has like yeah. medical bag and whatever, and some oil, whatever else you need, a couple of health things. But like there were a few, I think there's one in the first or second level that has a sniper rifle in it that you don't get for a few more levels. Speaking of sniper rifle. Boom. First game with a zooming sniper rifle. That's crazy. And also the first game with 
And I'm not sure which of these is more important. First game with a reload animation. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, which is more important? Like, those are both huge. And it was, the reload animations in this game were so good, too. Yeah, the, yeah, one bullet at a time. Yeah, uh-huh. they were so cool. Those sound effects uh-huh. were great. I didn't realize and that. And the, the rapid shot with one hand off of the, uh, yes. the hammer. Man, I wonder how influential, I mean, it had to have been influential just being the first, but I just, outside of being a LucasArts game, I don't know if I'd heard of this game. Yeah. But yeah, so many influential things that, that so many games, that we take for granted now in so many game season. That's so cool. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, I had to look up, I've watched a whole 30 minute video of just all the secret areas because I found probably like you did three or four, two or three, something like that by accident, basically when I was like looking around being like, is this the door I should go through? No, this is the door that just has bullets in it or whatever. Uh, but yeah, most of them, I thought they were hidden really well, where if you looked closely, you'd see like an off color panel or floor or something like that. That was like, oh, okay, I could go. There were a few that were just kind of like, you'd have to know about them. There's yeah. one where you have to go into debug mode and fly around and find that's, that's the one with the dog. I think I sent you a picture of it. It's a dog with sunglasses yes. in like lava who tries to kill you. There's one, uh, Max from Sam and Max is in this a couple times. Uh, there's pictures of some of the developers on dinosaurs' heads in one level. Like, there's super weird stuff in these secret areas. One of them is aliens doing an autopsy on a cow in the first level. Like, there's nice. weird, right? No yeah, idea I, I what has that. to do with outlaws. But, uh, but I love that idea where it's, if you play the normal game, have no idea that these exist. But if you want to, you know, pl- probably second or third playthrough is when most of these are found. Uh, where you get to find little winks at the, at the player like that. By the way, did you play the um, expansion missions at all? I played... I don't have the list in front of me. I think I played Civil War a little bit. I, I played the San Francisco one for a bit. How was that? Um, it was fun. It was, it was really big and really difficult. They're huge. And yeah, it was, it was enormous. Yeah. I just went, um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I, I think I got what I had wanted out of the game. And I can definitely see in 1997, don't have anything else on my plate. Yeah, I, w- I would want to play all of those and play them really closely. Yep. Look cool. Yep. Just like the rest of the game. They look cool. Oh, and I heard the... we. Obviously, didn't do multiplayer. Uh, it's it's pretty tough to get multiplayer working kind of on a contemporary setup. Yeah. But I've heard that the multiplayer was very good. Uh, each of the different players were, uh, you know, the different main bad guys, uh, and each of them had different like abilities and things like that. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we don't need to talk about the racism in Sunset Riders. We we nope. do need to mention it because we did say that was one of our favorite games. I, I think maybe well, I should play it again online before I spend a thousand dollars on like <laughs> a cabinet yeah. for it. Don't think I'm going to do that anytime soon. Uh, problematic is the easy way to say for Sunset Riders. Um, yeah, the whole history of Western games. I mean, Sunset Riders was not the first Western game. Um, yeah. The first that I can remember is um, Custer's Revenge, which is oh my gosh, 2D. also probably one of the worst, in many senses, games ever made. Uh, single screen game where you go from left to right trying to dodge arrows. Your character is a naked cowboy, a presumably Custer. And on, to the right of the screen is a uh, nude uh, Native American woman. And the goal of the game is to uh, assault her. Wow. Uh, it's horrific and awful. So this is the... This is a real game that was licensed? Or was this like... Yeah. By who? S- don't say Sierra. Uh, this was Atari. Uh, so I don't know who made it, but it was an Atari game from way, way back in the wow. day. I, if I remember right, it was made by a, a game company that did a bunch of erotic games. And I, the only other one I remember was uh, a Pong game where the ball was a dude with a massive erection that you were knocking back and forth and trying to get him to run into a woman. That's what Custer's Revenge is. But, but Pong. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm looking at the screenshots just on Wikipedia, and it's dude with an erection, a naked dude with an erection, and naked lady. It's, 
I don't know what in what day this gets published. 1982, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Atari, yeah. it was wow. certainly supposed to be shocking at the time. But not not offensive at the time, probably, though. No, I I don't know if that, if that word would have meant, meant the same thing. That's to the fair. People making then that even offensive that is time. a stupid word right now, I guess. But, but whatever. But it not, just, yeah, it, it was meant to, to offend and be like, ooh, look how edgy we are kind of thing. Like, ha-ha, get it. I think it was like, more ha-ha, yeah, it's, get it's it. It's horrific. Right. Ha-ha. Not damaging. Yeah. Just, the time. just yeah. so wow. the um, needless to say, the the history of of cowboy games has been pretty rough in terms of. We'll, we'll just focus on race. Um, it's been rough in a lot of ways, but we'll focus on that. Yeah. And I, I, as soon as I booted this game up, I thought to myself, God, I just hope that there are no Native American characters. Oh. And and that's a a tough thing to hope, right? For a Western game, because in general. I'd want to be like, uh, oh wow! I hope there's a lot of a lot of cool representation in here. A lot of different people. It's like I was just like, just can it just all be white people? Because I know you're not going <laughs> to handle anything else. Classic right. Jason Helms quote: Can it just be white people? It's going to be like, if it's just wow. white people, okay, that's 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 bad. That's, that's problematic, problematic in itself. Like, oh, but simpler. Oh god, it can get so much worse, and it does. And this yeah. game absolutely does lean into that. It's we can talk about how not as bad it is as other places, but. Right, yeah, okay, let's not have that it's, fight, I guess. It's it's not good. Um, by the way, if you want to jump a little further down this rabbit hole, uh, Dia Lucina has a great article on, um, oh, is it Polygon or Kotaku? I can't remember where she wrote it. Uh, but the title has Red Dead Redemption 2 and Red Face in it. Uh, and it just talks about the, you know, Charles, the main Native American character in it, the guy who plays him is not Native American. Then she gets into the really weird complexities of it and of his particular ethnicity and the way that he um, advertises himself as being ambiguously ethnic. So that, like, ooh, cast me in lots of roles because I can play lots of ethnicities. Uh, which is also, mm-hmm. like, you don't necessarily want to come at him for that. That's, that's him trying to fit in a system that he can work in. But, like, for people casting that way, it's like, God, just, just maybe try and get somebody from the group that you're representing. That's such a tough thing. We had that, a similar conversation about Westworld. Where they're, uh, they, the creators of the show, the writers, whatever it is, are depicting a a race of people, a culture of people, with, but they're making it up. Yeah, and they speak Lakota, and actually in Red Dead Redemption, they speak Lakota as well, but they're not representing the Lakota people. Right, and so it just seems like the, I mean, that's the definition of cultural appropriation, right. <laughs> racial appropriation, whatever it might be. Where you're stealing from a culture, not giving them credit, but you're just using something that fits your your need. Yeah. Right at the of the moment. Yeah, uh, and and not giving it um, attribution or appreciation at all. So, yeah, I mean that's and that's Red Dead. But this this did you want to get any more specific as far as outlaws? No, there's there is one character I can't remember his name. He he doesn't have much of a role in the game. There's just no. one cutscene. Yeah, I, I guess he's kind of there foreboding in another cutscene. I think his shadow very stereotypical across a king of yeah. wall or something. Yeah, but it's it's pretty yeah it's it's rough. All right, anything more on gameplay? Let's talk about just difficulty of levels, and did you enjoy these levels? Sure. I enjoyed things. I think it was River Basin was just that like kind of long, you have the sniper rifle. That was probably the most Dark Forces-y, a couple yeah. outside Dark Forces levels. With the, we have like the cliffs that you're going through. Uh, but I enjoyed the, the ones where you're sniping people and coming around corners and having to take two or three down at a time. Even in the town you're in, one of the first or second levels where you're going th- around hotel and stuff and, and sniping people. I like that. I did not like, what was, the, was it Sawmill? 
Oh yeah, sawmill was rough. Yeah, with where, where the the level is the puzzle basically. We are going from room to room to room to room, and you're like going through shoots of water to hit buttons, and you're going to the next room. Yep. And it just seems like the point of the puzzle is to have you do trial and error to figure out why you're doing the puzzle. Yep. Uh, the two places I remember cheating, or maybe three. Uh, yeah, the the three places were level two, which it turns out I didn't need to cheat. It just takes forever for the random bad guy to show up. Yeah. Then the sawmill, because uh, that's that was impossible. Even when I knew what to do after I looked yeah. it up, I was like, really? Yeah. That's what I have to do yeah. right now. All right. I did. I did pretty well until you got, had to get the gears on that thing. That's when oh, I had to right. look it up. That's right. I forgot about that part. And then the the level. Um, where you had to put the blocks on the wall and raise and lower a bunch of things. Yeah. And the thing that stuck me there was um, not the combinations, but just realizing that those were combinations, that I had to raise and lower some stuff in addition to getting the stones on the wall. So walk me through this. I hate those things. Like there's yeah. parts, th- those are the parts where I get to when I put the game down for a week and then come back. Yeah. But Red Dead, I love the fact that like, even like, the, you know, when you kill an animal and you have to like get its hide, it takes... 10, 20 seconds or whatever it is. You can't walk through, you know, like the whole idea of like slow play, which is yep. the, 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 a lot of the heat that Red Dead's getting, the criticism that you can't fast travel, that you have to get on your horse and travel to a town. I enjoy that now. And like, am I just having like Stockholm syndrome to this thing that I told you I had to love? No, I, I do think that that's, I, I, I think you're absolutely right that um, I, I love the way Red Dead does it. Okay. Um, there's a couple things in there that I think, it doesn't necessarily do well. Sure. But for the most part, I really, really like the way it has you just live in this thing. And it, it yeah. converts you to a, from a place of like trying to get to the end. You're, you, you're almost no longer skinning animals to get the money from it. You're skinning animals. Just, it's just part of the life, right? You're, just, you're living this and you're falling into a rhythm. And it's, you, you live it, you breathe it, and that's cool. And we had a big conversation earlier this week about is it realistic? And, and your argument right. was that it's, it's not, we talked about that. And I think maybe a better word is immersive. Yes. Into yeah. the, which is into so the much more difficult to define. Right. What is it? You know, what gets you there? Right. Exactly. But I, but I think you're absolutely right. It's immersion. And I think the puzzles in this game go back and forth on that. Some of them work really well for immersion in that I'm immersed in trying to solve this puzzle and some of them, they feel random. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if you can't figure out the logic to the sawmill puzzles, uh, so you get to that room where there's like six doors and you have to open each of the doors to flood the room so that you can get to another area. Right. That made sense to me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I see what I have to do. And now it's kind of fun to try and find out where are the things I've got to open to to literally open the floodgates so that I can get up here. Yep. As opposed to the one where you had to to set the different codes with things up and things down. Because I didn't know that those were codes and they just looked to me yes, like exactly. part of the wall. Right. It was completely, you know, it broke that immersion for me yeah and i couldn't get into it whereas once i actually figured it out and i found out you know there's oh there's a place you can find the codes then i started to look for it and then it made sense and, and it started to work again exactly um on the furthest extreme of this i uh, we're going to talk about what we've been playing recently and i'm going to talk about stardew valley because i've just been playing a ton of it and it is the the skinning crafting whatevering scenes of red dead and that's it like that plus a minor dating sim um mm-hmm. it's it's and I love it. Like I'm just I'm just harvesting my crops. Hey, then me and Leah, we're official. Um, just uh, we're dating, and uh, just maxed out my hearts with her. So wow. uh, it's getting pretty serious. Uh, might be uh, expanding the house soon. Uh, wow. Starting a nursery. We'll see. Good for you, I guess. Uh, pretty excited. 
So yeah, so it's it is about that immersion. Do you fall into this game and not necessarily feel like it's it's real in the sense of I can't tell fiction from reality, but real in the sense of it of it feels right. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, should we do a little? What's the beer? What's the song? Yep. This game's pretty fun. You with frustration. When I was old, I just had to question. What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell. I just want to know. What game is West E12? I always think you go first, but then I go first. So I think I just go first now. Anyway, yeah, uh, I went with a beer that's in my fridge that I have not even had yet. It's it's probably the most famous milk stout in the in the United States, and that's Left Hand, Texas's own, I believe. Right? Is it? I is have it no Texas's own? I don't know where it is. Anyway, somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, but yeah, Left Hand Milk Stout, uh, because you pointed out to me that the main character James Anderson is left-handed, the first Western FPS shooter, and they make him left-handed. I thought that was that was. Have we checked that to make sure it's? I true? looked it up. I looked it up. A lot of the stuff he's holding okay, left-handed. Even the knife he's holding left-handed. He's holding the guns left-handed. Good. But yeah, I don't know if that's he could change left and right for all I know. No, but no, no. The, I just the, want to make sure. From, <laughs> the screenshots that I looked it. at, from what I remember, he's left-handed, and that's what we're going with right now. Good call. Uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, sweet. It's got that like brown, westerny stuff like a stout does. Easy to drink. Left-handed. I'm not going super deep with this one. What's your beer? Shiner Bach. Uh, no, there's nothing more oh. Texan. It was really good for its time, uh, meaning throughout most of the 20th century, it was one of five independent breweries in the country. Uh, Ankerstein, Yingling, uh, there were one or two up in like Wisconsin. And, and so it was unappreciated or underappreciated uh, for a long time. But also, it's not necessarily that great in retrospect. Um, it's a fine beer. I don't know that it's anything special. And it has an obnoxiously loud fan base, especially now that I live in Texas. People being like, yeah, oh, I love Shiner. Oh, Shiner is so good. Speaking like, of which, Travis Wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I like Shiner. I really do. It's, 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 it's a great go-to beer. Shiner's fine. Uh, and especially if you're just comparing it to Bud Miller Coors. It's, it is yeah. better. It's like uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Yeah. It's, it's better than big box stuff, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's good. It's support your local brewery. Uh, and then what's your song? Uh, Sugar Hill Gang. Whoa, way back. Apache. Um, okay. Yeah, who doesn't love it? Yeah. All Jump right. on it. And can't we all just pretend it's not racist and enjoy ourselves? Wow. Yeah. Okay, and Jason the helps is, tonight. <laughs> and the answer is, I guess, as long as you listen to literally none of it. Yeah, um, cool. And Sweet. so I, I chose it as kind of another guilty pleasure or one of those ones that you don't want to think about or you want to, like, say, hey, the Sugar Hill Gang, they're, they're, yeah, they're goofy, fun guys. They're not, they're not trying to be horrifically racist. But, like, yeah, it's, it's pretty rough uh, if you pay attention to the lyrics. And whenever I'm at a wedding and it's playing, I just, I just cringe a bit and go, oh, here, we're all dancing to this. This is fun. My song for Outlaws, the game that we're talking about today, is... Cage the Elephants, Backstabbing Betty, which I've played for you oh. maybe 300 times. And every time I'm like, okay, imagine this. Yeah. You and me. Or not you and me. I think this is the screenplay we're writing. You and me at our typewriters yeah. writing this yeah. scene. Imagine us writing the scene that you're imagining. And we're robbing a bank, right? And we're robbing a bank. Yeah. As the song's starting, 
You're putting. Imagine it in the background of what I'm talking right now, right? You're pulling your, your ski mask on. You're walking to the bank. You kick open the door. You're holding up. You're putting the money in the bags. Yeah, like old school, like point break bank robbery, kind of like three or four brothers maybe. And there's of course like this. Of course, you're wearing like president masks or maybe Halloween masks. Absolutely. But yeah, so th- whenever I hear this song, that's what comes on. So there's the action of this song in my mind fresh when, when I'm playing this game and murdering millions of people that I apparently all want to kill me because they're all bad too. They're not. Yeah. Or they're guilty men. Uh, but the, the chorus of the song is he don't like that. He wants his life back. He wants to go back home, which obviously hits home with this song yeah. or with this game, even though the whole song is about his horrible wife. His woman is what the song calls it. So again, Oof. problematic lyrics. Uh, that maybe that's the uh, the theme of today's episode. Problematic themes in songs and, and games. Now, because it's a Cage the Elephant song, I, I do have to ask: uh, which Pixie song is it actually a cover of? Uh, I only know one Pixie song. <laughs> it's not that one. I don't think it's um, where is my mind. When I made that connection and realized that literally every Cage the Elephant song is a cover of a Pixie song. What? Oh man, I don't know dude, this. It's rough. I I want to play some of these back and forth for you. Not um, on purpose. Yeah, yeah. They're, or not like they, openly. They're they're just ripping off the Pixies. Not on purpose. It's not like an ode or an homage to them. No, I, they're definitely. I it even I think says on their Wikipedia that they were really in, deeply influenced by the Pixies. Oh, okay. But it's like it's one thing to be influenced by like a sound, right? yeah, and develop along similar yeah. lines. But when I can, well, they don't sound tell anything you, like, like the Pixies though. This song is that song, and this song is that song. When it goes song for I song, I love that. And it's like, oh, I don't know. This is an homage anymore. I love it. If they, okay, I, I still love. Again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, if yeah. they didn't say it, but it still existed, yeah, that's when it would be problematic. If they're denying yeah. it, saying like, no, 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 yeah. this is our original work. But if they're proudly saying like, no, like, yeah, we're ripping them off, like huge Pixies fans. You can at least, yeah. I don't think they say they're ripping them off. I do feel like they're ripping them off a little bit, and I'm eh, a little okay fine. with it because I think they do pretty good versions of it. Exactly. Anyways, uh, you know what else I saw there other than lots of thematic problems? <laughs> Jeez. In Outlaws, Jay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw what our, else is that? Did, little, did you see an old friend? Other than Little Green Men, I saw our Little Green Friend. hey oh. That almost rhymes. Chuck is a plan, but he's so much more than that. I said, Chuck's not only a plan, he's an end. Did you see him there? I, I did. I, uh, well, I, I, uh, I saw him in the game, of course, in the background. Yep. And so that reminded me yep. of a time that I'd seen him in real life. Uh, w- would you like to hear me tell that tale? Yeah, please. Please tell the tale. So let me tell you about uh, when I ran into Chuck in real life. Um, I ran into him in a, in a bar outside Amarillo. He looked like 20 miles of bad road. So uh, I ordered two Lone Stars, nice. put one in front of him and say, uh, hey, uh, you wouldn't happen to be Chuck the plant, would you? And he goes, nah, Chuck was a vicious killer and a roustabout. I just drink. So I'm a little thrown off, right? I go, uh, well, funny running into you. Uh, anyway, I mean, what a world. He looks me dead in the eyes and says, truth about the world, anything is possible. Had you not seen it all from birth and thereby bled it of its strangeness, it would appear to you for what it is, a hat trick in a medicine show, a fevered dream, a trance populate with chimeras having neither analog nor precedent, an itinerant carnival, a migratory tent show whose ultimate destination after many a pitch in many a mudded field is unspeakable and calamitous beyond reckoning. The universe is no narrow thing, 
and the order within it. It's not constrained by any latitude in its conception to repeat what exists in one part in any other part. Even in this world, more things exist without our knowledge than with it. And the order of creation which you see is that which you have put there, like a string in a maze, so that you shall not lose your way. For existence has its own order, and that no man's mind can compass, that mind itself being but a fact among others. So I'm speechless, right? Yeah, right. And, and edging towards the door, I say, uh, well, looks like I better be hitting the old dusty trail. Uh, but big fan, uh, thanks and all. Never turned around, but over his shoulder, he muttered, your heart's desire is to be told some mystery. The mystery is that there is no mystery. As I scrambled out the door, I heard him scream, there is no mystery. And then the shooting started. Wow. So, yeah, it was quite a run-in I had with him. Got real. Yeah. Uh, I, ha- I started the right one. I saw Chuck in the corner of Bob Graham's ranch, and cool. I actually um, didn't really say anything because I was just I was running by killing people. Sure, sure. You were busy. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know what? Now I'm worried that maybe your story is what inspired my story. Oh, interesting. Just a Rashomon-like, uh, uh, two, two moments from different points of view. I like it. I like it. Uh, so, Jay, I think half the episode has been talking about what else we've been playing. I will say quickly. <laughs> I, I think the other half has been me quoting Blood Meridian, but go on. That was good. Uh, I will say I've been playing some Red Dead. Uh, and yes. I, I like that it, uh, to me, is taking up all of my previous like iPhone games. I'm like, oh, should yeah. I go play this game for 20 minutes, an hour, or whatever? I'm like, no, I'm going to go... Hunt for a random legendary beast. Yep. Or I'm going to go, or animal, whatever it is. I'm going to go uh, try to get maximum bounty in every single county in the whole map, which I'm currently doing. Really hard to do in Amburrito, by the way. There are no towns there. Pretty sure you said Ant Burrito. Ant Burrito. Okay Ant Burrito is delicious with a little sriracha on it. <laughs> but I will say, you have to get across the river and shoot at Fort Wallace with a sniper rifle. And like every 10 minutes is another $100 or not even. I wish I've been there for like two hours shooting guys, but it just takes a long time. But it is to me. That's like I've I've been looking for like a good sniper game on iPhone for a long time. This game is all of that and more. It's there. It's there. Way way too Um, many hours spent playing this, but I will be playing this game a lot longer than I played the original Red Dead. And you finished it. I finished the game, finished the the storyline. I got epilogue going on. Um, Yeah, it's it's uh, I'd never had higher expectations for a game. And it's weird for me to have high expectations for something, for a movie, a game, a book, whatever it is, and it, for it to meet those, and it, it exceeded them. Yep. And you said you're in the epilogue now. No, I finished the epilogue. Okay, got Sorry. it. Yeah, finished the... Uh, what, the I, yeah. what I recall from the original is that the, the epilogue is almost stronger than the original, the, than the, the, the first ending in the, uh, in the first game. Maybe not stronger, but it's like it's right up there, that it's got a great, great epilogue. Um, this one, would you say, similar kind of level where... Epilogue is is next level, like good ending, and then like wow, that epilogue really. I will say for people like me that loved all of the slow parts and the immersion of the whatever fifty sixty hours of the the story, it met that it met a, it was a lot of things that it wasn't like oh, I got to kill everyone that killed my friends like that right. kind of amazing completion or whatever of a story maybe, uh, but it was a lot of cool things for these characters that you've fallen in love with and, or maybe not fall in love with, but like these characters you've gotten to know really well and been involved in their lives. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you get to, you get to see kind of the completion of some stories. And so I, I liked that a lot. So I will say that. And I think it did that better than the first Red Dead. 
one thing I really like about it, uh, character-wise, is um, Arthur sees himself as kind of a screw-up and, you know, doesn't think much of himself, uh, really kind of plays it down. And, like, and life's, life's been hard for him. You know, he's orphaned. He's, he's raised by uh, two criminals. Uh, and all he knows is, is robbing. And, and he blames that life for why he can't find love. You know, and, and he's a man who it, there's a lot of depth to him and all this. And what I love about the game is there are these moments where you see that that story is not quite true. Yeah. That he's actually the favored son of these two criminals, right? They've got all of these children, but he was the first. And everybody is jealous of him to certain extents or, you know, holds that against him a little bit. And he doesn't quite see it. And I'm, I'm only, you know, I don't know, a dozen hours into the game. I'm hoping at some point he'll, be, he'll have to address this more closely. But I love the way they've introduced it. It hasn't been, you know, hitting you over the head with it. It's been really, really slow. Just little side comments here and there where you slowly realize it's like, ah, dude, you're not, you may have it bad, but there are a lot of people around you have it a lot worse than you. And it's the, the whole honor meter, I think is tough, right? Because I think most people, it's designed to have high honor, right? I think the story works better. You, you like the character more and all that. If you have a higher honor, I'm going back and playing it with now with low honor, just to, and it's hard to play by the way, that way. Yeah. Uh, but it's a totally different game. But like you're saying, because he has a different view of himself than everyone around him, and he is a criminal, it's pretty easy to make that character just be bad all the time. If all those yeah. interactions are bad and you don't hear those positive things about him, and he's self-deprecating all the time, then you're like, okay, this is just a terrible person I'm playing as. Yes. But if you're play honorable, and I was able to finish the game with 100% honor on the first playthrough, and it's you get that same conflict that you were describing right there, where you're yeah. like, no, this is a good dude who, yes, he's a criminal, but like... He is just and fair and doesn't kill innocent people. You know, he's, he's not James Anderson. Right. <laughs> just a right. madman, murderer with a just gun. A, a, on a rampage. Yeah. All right. Any more Red Dead stuff? We should probably move on. <laughs> uh, oh, what else I've been playing? Uh, yeah. Stardew Valley. Tons of Stardew Valley. I was telling you this the other day that I booting up Red Dead and I had to install an update and so I had to wait 20 minutes. I thought, oh, maybe I'll just play a little Stardew while I, while I warm this up. And... Uh, Played for about an hour after Red Dead had already installed because I was like, I was into it. Um, but the other game I played recently was Celeste. Um, okay. And that, I just want to say, I know I'm late to this party, but it's also up for some Game of the Year things, so we should at least mention it. A really, really well-made game. Uh, one of the rare games where the, the meaning and the gameplay just match perfectly. The, the entire game is about depression. And the lead character um, is climbing this mountain called Celeste um, because she's depressed. And she just doesn't feel like she has much meaning in her life. And she doesn't feel like she can do anything and overcome it. And so she decided she's going to take on a huge, massive challenge. And she's going to she's going to take on this challenge and she's going to overcome it. And that will kind of snap her out of her depression. Yeah. And at one point, her depression becomes uh, like an actual living character that she has to fight. Um, and slowly learn not to fight and kind of work alongside with. Wow. It's a gorgeous game. But the coolest gameplay point about it is it, it is like Dark Souls level in its difficulty. Um, I is died. Switch? Switch. Okay. And I, I really would recommend it. It's about an eight hour playthrough. Okay. Uh, so I died 2,000 times in Whoa. my first playthrough. It keeps a count and it shows you the count quite visibly. Wow. And around the second or third level of, I think, maybe eight or nine. It says um, something along the lines of, uh, whenever you see that death count, don't be discouraged. Every time you died, you learned something. 
when you look at that death count, be proud of it and realize how much you've overcome. And that's the message of the game is why do, why do we play really difficult games? It's not so that you can be haughty and full of yourself and tell other people on your Dark Souls message board, just get good. That's how you, that's how you beat this level. Yeah. Just get good. It's become someone else. You know, Take on something difficult and, and get out of yourself in that way. Yeah. And difficult games are rewarding in and of themselves. So much so that on the, there's this really cool moment, three steps before the end of the game. You know, you know that you know what the end of the game is because you're climbing a mountain. You're going towards the summit, and so before the end, all of a sudden, uh, you you pass this flag that says thirty, and then you you jump and you do a couple things. You get to the next kind of like save point, and then it says twenty nine. And you're like, oh, oh, I'm real close, right? Mm-hmm. And so it keeps counting down. And when you get to the last, I think five or so, all of a sudden you get these binoculars that allow you to look at the rest of the levels. And you can see every single stopping point from you to the summit. And as I looked at them, I'm like, okay, this one that's right in front of me, I, I think I can see how to do it. And the one after that, oh, I think I see what it wants me to do, but I don't know that my fingers are quick enough to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And the one after that, it looks like I'm just supposed to like levitate, which is not a thing that my person can do. And then like soar through maybe like kind of looks like the underwater level from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the Nintendo. Yeah. A level that I still have nightmares about. Yeah. It, it looks like I maybe do that, but instead of swimming, do it while flying through the air. Um, okay. I don't think I can do that. And then there's another two after that. I, I can't do it. Like, and I was just distraught. I was like, I'm not going to finish this game. I'm seven and a half hours in. I'm not going to finish this game. And suddenly the game came back to me and I just remembered everything it had said so far. And it was like, you don't have to beat those levels now. You just have to beat the one that's in front of you. Oh, nice. And it was like such a therapeutic moment of, wow, this game really is about mental health. This game that's really weird. is about accomplishing small tasks. And I beat that one. I beat the next one after it. Um, probably took me about an hour to beat those last few. Uh, but they were great, and I felt so fulfilled when I did. So I would definitely encourage it. It's, it's a great game. Um, Really, really good. I love that. That's really cool. All right. Last thing we have on the docket. What else are we playing? We're taking January off like we do yep. every year so we can kind of spend time with our families and, and travel and all that over Christmas break. So uh, the next one will and be And have our, our Game of the Year Christmas episode. Yes, we will be recording that as well. That will be coming out around, around Christmas, probably the week of Christmas. Uh, but, yeah, what we have – so we have two months to play the next game. We figured we'd save a long one, 40-plus hours, for this time, which is – KOTOR 2. KOTOR 2! Sith Remastered Edition, if you want to play along with us. And you started, uh, right? Have we been... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably six or seven hours in. Nice. I've gotten off of the first planet. Dude, nice. I'm in the Ebon Hawk. Oh, the Ebon Hawk! I'm so excited. Dude. Man. Dude! It's a pretty strong opening. Um, nice. And I know that a twist is coming. I don't know what it's going to be, because my character has amnesia and may or may not be the same no. character from the first game. Are you Revan? Are we all Revan? Yes. We're all Revan. Um, and spoiler alert from KOTOR 1. Sorry. Um, I want to open every episode up. <laughs> like, I, I was tempted to do and, Outlaws. Uh, be like, I kidnapped my own yeah. daughter. Anyway. It's strong. It's, it's a real strong opening. Nice. Sweet. I'll be playing that in the next couple weeks. And if you guys do play it, um, I think we mentioned this before, there is a fan remastered version that from everything I've read is really worth playing. Uh, they went and found a bunch of cutscenes and levels that were on the original discs that shipped, but they didn't make it into the game. 
and they brought them into the game. And it's the only time I've ever seen a, uh, a fan mod that when you start up the game in Steam, it says, uh, ooh, are you sure you want to play this game without the mod? Because you really should play it with the mod. Here's the button you click to do the mod. Do you know about the mod? Uh, so even Steam knows this is this is something you should check out. I love it. Sweet. All right. Excited to jump in on that. I think that's all we have. As always, you can check out our website, menoflowmoralfiber.com. If you have any questions, any comments, concerns, we had plenty playing this game. I hope you do too. Feel free to let us know. You can check us out uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email us at molmfpod at gmail.com. Uh, and if you really like what we're doing here and you want to support us financially, a buck or two a month goes a long way. Uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash molmf, M-O-L-M-F. We'll talk to you all in a few weeks with our Christmas episode as well as our Codor 2 episode, first week of February. As always, I've been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And I've never met an innocent man. See you. See you.